Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. How many of you uh, brought someone with you today? I see some people looking around going, who brought who here? No. Um, Well, let me ask this. How many of you are sitting with somebody that you know today? That's good. If you didn't raise your hand today, I'd encourage you to get to know them. Um, I want to ask, though, what does it mean to be with someone? Today's our second Sunday in our sermon series here, 12 Men and Their Master, and we're considering the men that Jesus uh, selected to be his 12 disciples and and the things that they learned from him. And today, in in, uh, what Robert Coleman in his book, The Master Plan of Evangelism, calls, uh, we're we're focusing in then on the, the principle of association. If we associate with somebody, we, we hang out with them, and we aren't embarrassed to be known uh, as being connected with them. Jesus chose 12 men, and, and he spent the bulk of three years in close interaction with them, and, and he seemed to be quite willing to be known as associated with or connected with them and they with him. I invite you to look with me today at, at Mark chapter 3, and uh, let me just preface it with this before I read the scripture here. I want to invite you to do something today. You're probably not used to doing this regularly here, but uh, I'd like you to find your Bible or a Bible in front of you in the pew today and and turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3. Mark's the second Gospel in the New Testament there. And uh, keep it open after I read here because instead of just focusing on one um, portion of Scripture today. We're going to kind of wander through a number of them, and I, I think you'll see a pattern that's very interesting. So, Mark chapter 3, begin with verse 13. I invite you to stand in reverence to God's Word as I read. <clears throat> and he, Jesus, went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. And he appointed the twelve, Simon to whom he gave the name Peter, James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Berjonas, or that is, sons of thunder, and Andrew and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Let's pray. Lord, as we meditate on these verses and and look at others here and see how it all fits together here in the Gospel of Mark, I I pray that you'd open our eyes to the significance of that, uh, the time that you spent with those disciples and how that shaped them. And and Lord, also then teach us about how you want to shape our lives as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So looking at the first part of that text here, what three things did Jesus call the 12 disciples to do according to this passage? He called them to be with him, 
you sent, and to, you sent out to preach and, and to have authority to cast out demons. So which one of those three came first? Is there a reason why it came first? Why didn't Jesus just send the 12 out to preach and cast out demons right away after he called them? Well, they needed training to preach and to have authority over the forces of Satan. And training could only come from time with Jesus. Time with Jesus was a necessary preparation for the rest of their calling. And I believe that is still true today. In order to be useful in the kingdom of God, we all need training and we all need a personal relationship with Jesus. Yes, it will be different from the, those three years of literally walking around Israel with Jesus and watching with their eyes and listening with their ears as, as he taught and as he healed and as he interacted with all kinds of people. But, but there are still some needed similarities to what the disciples experienced in, in order for us to really be equipped to do Christian ministry. And, and so, let's see, it doesn't want to advance right now. There you go, go to the black one. So now, here's why I asked you to keep your Bibles open, okay? Because in order to grasp what it meant that Jesus called his disciples to be with him, we're going to notice today then some details that you might tend to miss as you read scripture sometimes, and that is the locations that are mentioned. And we're going to kind of travel along with them then, and beginning with chapter one then, just look at, the progression of this and, and uh, the sermon outline in your bulletin will help you because uh, most of those texts are listed right there if you're if you're not keeping up with me so jesus called his disciples one after another and he called them to follow him um, if you go to mark chapter one there it was to the fishermen he said follow me and i'll make you fishers of men you go to mark chapter two and, and to matthew the tax collector he said follow me and they left their nets, and they left the tax booth, and they began to go wherever Jesus went and to spend much time with him, and he with them. And I think we likely fail to grasp just how much time that added up to. Besides the times following Jesus and watching him interact with the crowds of people, he often pulled them away from the crowds to spend some quality time with him. Um, with this small group then of, of 12. And this occurred over and over again, often retreating or withdrawing for, to remote areas with just the 12, as I'm gonna show you in, in, in just a bit. But this uh, brings to my mind something. Have you ever wondered about Pastor Ryan and his yearly taking a, just a few guys and going off on some kind of adventure to some remote place? Have, have you ever wondered where did he get this idea? And, is that really ministry? Well, Jesus didn't go on a 90-mile hike in the Canadian Rockies. He didn't go canoeing in the Boundary Waters. But some of his walks with the disciples may have been about that long. And Israel is far from flat, as you can see there. And actually, if you can see on the other side there of that gully, there's a trail going along there. That is the, the road they walked from Jericho to Jerusalem. And also, Jesus uh, did spend some significant time out on the Sea of Galilee in a boat with the disciples. And Jesus did these things with the disciples for some of the same reasons, I think. Um, they got 
two together, then see some awesome sights of God's creation as they traveled. Israel is fascinating in that way. Um, they also got away, though, from the crowds and, and the busy routines of life to talk about things that are important in life. And, and so just look with me in your Bibles in the Gospel of Mark now, and you go back to chapter 1. i get a map on there. Uh, and it shows us there in Mark 1 that Jesus started out his earthly ministry primarily in Galilee. Galilee is up toward the top there in the, in the tan, that area. And then there's a, the Sea of Galilee down to the right from that. And, and he was preaching there in that area to ever-increasing crowds and healing the sick and, and probably for a matter of months doing that with the disciples going along with him and listening and observing. <coughs> then we get to chapter 6 of Mark. Verse 7 and following, and it tells us about Jesus sending the disciples out then that first time in pairs to preach and with authority to cast out uh, unclean spirits. And then it tells us about them coming back after they were sent out by, t- by twos. And you get to Mark 6, verse 30, and here it says this. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. And then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place or a lonely place. This is a picture of example of along the seashore of Galilee. And after this, then Mark 6 tells us about feeding of the 5,000 just on an area not too far from there. And then after that in Mark 7, it tells us about Jesus withdrawing from the crowds with the disciples again and going way up northwest to Tyre and Sidon and up along the Mediterranean Sea there you see toward the top then it mentions Tyre and Sidon. Mark 7, Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre and he entered a house and didn't want anyone to know it and yet he couldn't keep his presence secret. Mark 7:31 goes on to say then Jesus and the disciples left that vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon and then down to the Sea of Galilee into the region of Decapolis. And that's what that area with the purple there. Again, now on the other side of, of the Sea of Galilee. And there were more healings. And, and then there was the feeding of the 4,000. And uh, it tells us in Mark chapter 8, about 4,000 were there and he sent them away and immediately he entered the boat with his disciples and came to the district of Dalmathua, um, which was southeast of, of Galilee. Now, part of the reason I find some of these locations so fascinating, I'll have to admit, is because I've had the privilege of being there. Um, Gene and I had the opportunity to go to Israel five, six years ago. And and as I saw some of these sites, I pictured in my mind what it would have been like where Jesus withdrew from the disciples, or with the disciples across the Sea of Galilee and so on. And and so the pictures that you're seeing are ones that I had the privilege of taking. Uh, Following their time on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, there were discussions with the Pharisees, and there was healing of a blind man. And then there, again, it tells us that they withdrew with his disciples again, this time way up northeast to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And that's up there, um, again, toward the top. It says Caesarea Philippi. And I'll show you a picture here. This is a remote place where, where a river flows out of the mountains, which then empties into the Sea of Galilee. 
And uh, this was a place where, because it was such a fascinating thing, the water flowing right out of the rock of the mountain, um, there were various uh, uh, temples and things erected to false gods there. And it was while they were there, with Jesus and just his disciples, that he asked this very important question. He said, who do people say that I am? And they mentioned who these different people were saying, and then he said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter gave that confession, and he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well, following this, they went back to Galilee. And Jesus starts revealing to his disciples about what's coming up, his upcoming suffering and death and resurrection. And it says they didn't understand it. Mark chapter 9, verse 31 and following. For he was teaching his disciples and telling them, the Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he has been killed, he will rise three days later. But they did not understand his statement, and they were afraid to ask him. You go to Mark chapter 10, and following that, it seems that they withdrew beyond the Jordan River. Now the Jordan River runs from the Sea of Galilee there down to the Dead Sea, which is the two bodies of water you see in the middle of the map. And, and uh, they went to this area known as Perea, and you see that written on, on there in red. And there, while crowds were sometimes gathering around, it tells us that they were there for several months, and, and the, Jesus spent much of that time with just the disciples, preparing them for what was coming up when they would go to Jerusalem. So do you catch the significance of this, this pattern? And, and all of this time with the disciples. Coleman, in his book on this, says this, and I quote, Jesus actually spent more time with his 12 disciples than with everyone else in the world put together. He ate with them, slept with them, talked with them for the most part of his entire active ministry. They walked together along lonely roads. They visited together in the crowded cities. They sailed and fished together on the Sea of Galilee. They prayed together in the deserts and in the mountains. And they worshiped together in the synagogues and in the temple. And all of this time with the disciples had a huge impact on them. The Gospel of John tells us that on the night when, before Jesus was arrested, he was telling the twelve about various things and preparing them for what's coming. And he told them how that when he left them, they were going to be ones to bear witness of him. And it says there, But when the Helper comes, whom I send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. In the book of Acts, we see that same type of wording. It's interesting there. After Jesus had died on the cross, he'd rose from the grave, he ascended back up into heaven, and Peter and John are now bearing witness of Jesus, and they get arrested, and they get questioned and told not to speak anymore in the name of Jesus, and their response was, there's salvation and no one else, there's no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. And what did the Jewish religious leaders think of their boldness in, in refusing to follow along and go with what they asked? It said this, now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and they began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. What had the disciples learned from all of their time being with Jesus? They learned a lot of things and we're gonna be in the next weeks looking into some of the key lessons Jesus wanted to teach his disciples 
But, but today, in the time I have left, I want to focus on, on one of those things. Besides observing Jesus as he taught the crowds and as he healed individuals and as he did miraculous things, the disciples would have observed this. They observed that Jesus prayed. And I invite you now to turn to the Gospel of Luke. And there in Luke, we see especially this, uh, this regular occurrence pattern in Jesus' life and in ministry of times away from the crowds and also talking with his heavenly Father. And so today, I want to just trace with you some of those many times we see Jesus praying. And you find that especially in the Gospel of Luke, uh, there's a fascinating pattern there. And again, there's an outline in your bulletin that lists most of these texts. But I want to observe along with the disciples here the various occasions and situations in which Jesus prayed and how he taught them to pray. And years ago in my own Bible, I marked it up with an asterisk in Luke wherever I saw Jesus praying or teaching about prayer and so on. It's fascinating to follow through on this. So go to Luke chapter 4. And after some of Jesus' early miracles of healing and crowds pressing in on him, it tells us in verse 42 simply this, one day came, he departed, and he went to a lonely place. Doesn't tell us what he did there, but you get to chapter 5 and we have a pretty good idea because chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, there you see it again. But, but the news about him was spreading even further and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness to pray. Often he would do that. You get to chapter 6. And before Jesus selected the 12 disciples, it, was, it, it tells us in verse 12, it was at this time when he went up the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them, whom he also named as apostles. And so you see, leading up to that big decision of choosing those 12, Jesus, the Son of God, spent extended time in prayer to his heavenly Father. And next, after the big event of the feeding of the 5,000, it tells us in Luke chapter 9, verse 18, and it came about that, that while he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. You get a little further on in Luke chapter 9, verse 28, it tells us of Jesus t taking along with him then Peter and James and John and going up the mountain to pray. And while he was doing so, then Jesus was transfigured before those three then you get to chapter 11 of Luke, verse 1 and following. And the disciples, as a result of hanging out with Jesus in all kinds of places and situations, have noticed this pattern in his life. And there's a teachable moment that occurs here. And it tells us it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And so Jesus does so. And he teaches them what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And in this prayer, he teaches that we see that prayer isn't primarily about us and our wants. It's about recognizing, first of all, who God is and that he is holy and that he's in charge of the whole world. And then asking him, then would you also rule in our hearts? And we want your will to be done in our lives. It's about bringing our needs to him and, and trusting him to meet them. It's about seeking his forgiveness for our sins and being willing to then also forgive others who sin against us. And it's about asking him for help to resist temptations that come along. And, it, and it's about him being glorified in our lives 
and in the whole world. And then after that, in Luke 11, we have more teaching from Jesus about, or to the disciples about prayer and, and how they can have confidence in prayer and think of God as their benevolent Heavenly Father who is always glad for them to bring any of their concerns to Him. And there were other times in Luke that Jesus taught on prayer as well, um, but we're going to skip ahead from, of some of that and see one more situation in which the disciples were with Jesus when He was praying, and that is here in the Garden of Gethsemane. Luke chapter 22, verse 39 tells us about that hour when there in the garden while Jesus was looking ahead to the cross and fervently praying, Father, remove this cup from me, yet not my will but thine be done. So what did the disciples learn about prayer by spending time with Jesus? Well, they learned the value of getting away from the crowd to talk to God in prayer. They, they learned the importance of a regular pattern of prayer. They, they learned the value of extra time in prayer before making a big decision. And they learned that, that one doesn't have to be alone when they pray, but they, you can pray with other people around as well. And, and they learned this model prayer to guide them in their prayer life. And, and they learned that, that prayer prepares us to face temptation and helps us in the midst of temptation. And, and Jesus taught them then a personal relationship with God the Father through modeling it in a life of prayer. And as I think of all the times that the disciples got to spend with Jesus and, and the things that they learned while they were with him, on the one hand, they did have this unique relationship with Jesus, a, a lot of face-to-face -face time with Jesus compared to anyone else in the world. And that's something we can't quite duplicate today. However, because Jesus died on the cross, to bring mankind forgiveness of sin and he rose from the grave conquering death and ascending back into heaven and then sending his Holy Spirit to live in the hearts of all believers in Christ. We too can know a personal relationship with Jesus on a daily basis. And he continues to reveal himself to us through this, through the written word of God. And we can then talk daily to him in prayer. And so then the question is, do we? He invites us to spend time with him even every day. And as we do so, we get to know him better and better. And those times of getting away from the crowd help to recenter us in the things that are most important in life. And when the big decisions need to be made, we seek his guidance. And when temptations come along, we look to him for strength to overcome them. And when we fail, we come to him for forgiveness. And he sends us out then like the disciples, as his witnesses to a lost world, because we know Jesus. And he also invites us to, like those disciples, have a relationship with each other and minister to each other as parts of the body of Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word today and, and just uh, this, this progression that we see in the Gospels of that relationship that Jesus had with the disciples, and, and Lord, it's fascinating to consider what that would have been like. But help us to recognize that you have made available to us to also have a personal relationship with, with you, Jesus. To know forgiveness of our sin and eternal life, and to know purpose in our lives um, that comes from you. And so, Lord, help us that we would live each day 
not so caught up in everything else of the busyness of schedules and things on, on our plate, Lord, but that we would also come aside and take time to hear you speak to us through your word. And Lord, to bring to you our concerns in, in, in prayer. We thank you for the privilege of doing that. And Lord, help us that we would grow in that and that that would shape our lives in such a way that we would be useful in your kingdom's work to share with others the hope that we have because we know you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.